Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why don't we start with the Cowboys? I want to start the show by saying that there was a rather suspicious and unfamiliar silence emanating from Dallas. That was yesterday. But it's always jarring, right? Because if Jerry Jones is not bumping his geriatric gums and pointing those beady eyes at the nearest TV camera, then you know something is up. It's really unusual. You don't see that very often. And then last night, Jera broke that silence. Well, technically, he did not break that silence. He announced what he had to announce through a written statement. But with a written statement, he said the following, in part, quote, I believe this team is very close and capable of achieving our ultimate goals, and the best step forward for us will be with Mike McCarthy as our head coach. End of quote. <laughs> Good one, Jarrah. Man, you slay me, Pops. Good one, Jarrah. Even Les thought that was funny. Even that creepy dude thought that was funny. Even Billy Koch thought that was funny. Everybody thought that was funny. Laugh out loud. That guy thought it was funny. Good one, Jarrah. Don't do that one again. Hey, hey Jera. <laughs> Feel free, Jera, to never ever learn. Signed the rest of the NFC East. Signed the rest of the NFL. Signed every single person who loves watching the Cowboys fail. War making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again, yet expecting different results. Am I right, Jera? It's really not that surprising that Big Mike is coming back. I mean, at all. That's kind of the problem, right? It's the same crap over and over, over and over, and over again. It's just more of Jarrah's delusional nonsense. No matter how many times Jarrah tries to convince himself and everybody else that his Cowboys are, quote, very close, end quote, to achieving their, quote, Ultimate goals, end quote, it won't make it true. No matter how many times you tell yourself that, Jera, it will not make it true because it's not true. And that's the entire point. That is the entire problem. If everybody thought the Cowboys were, quote, very close, then Big Mike's job status would not have been the biggest question in sports this week. If the Cowboys were actually, quote, very close, they would not have just gotten curb stomped in their own house by the youngest team in the NFL. Hey, Jera, I thought that was one of your, quote, most surprises when that happened. Uh, this is uh, one of my most surprises. If the Cowboys were, quote, very close to winning a Super Bowl this year, they would have actually gotten very close to winning the Super Bowl this year. Instead, you like that one, Alvy? Instead of crashing out in the most humiliating fashion at home on a wild card weekend. In fact, if the Cowboys were, quote, very close to winning a Super Bowl at any point in the last 29 years, then they would have played in an NFC championship at some point. 
over the last 29 years. But they haven't even done that. And they are no closer right now to those, quote, ultimate goals than they were a year ago. In fact, they're further away from those ultimate goals because last year they at least won a playoff game. So Mike McCarthy is not very close. And he's not even moving in the right direction. Who, and here's the thing, Jared tries to make the argument with the following, like, we won 12 games. We won the division. Who gives a damn about a 12-win regular season? Who gives a damn about Dak playing better in the regular season? It's hard to get hyped about any of that considering both took another giant dump in their pants yet again when it mattered most in the postseason. Now, I'm not even trying to put it all on Dak. Just the opposite. Everybody was terrible. That allegedly vaunted and allegedly elite defense was horrendous. Nobody looked ready to play. Nobody looked up for that game. And that's probably why they found themselves down 27 nothing in the second quarter. We all saw it, which is why we were all wondering if it was going to cost the big fella his job. Well, we all saw it, except apparently for Jarrah. The only one who matters. Jarrah, on the other hand, is busy touting Mike's regular season wins. Check out this statement from yesterday. Quote, Mike has the highest regular season winning percentage of any head coach in Cowboys history. And we will dedicate ourselves in partnership with him to translating that into reaching our postseason goals. Wow, Jarrah, really? He has the highest regular season winning percentage. My dude, why don't you hang a banner for that? Why don't you throw yourself a parade for that? Why don't you declare yourselves Super Bowl champs for that, Jarrah? Why don't have a Lombardi replica trophy made for that? No, in fact, get a real trophy. Why even play next season? What's the point? You already have the winningest regular season coach in Cowboy history. What else is there to play for? What matters? You just said it. What matters? I'll tell you something else. You know what you did? You totally wasted your time finally putting Jimma in the ring of honor. Since Jimma does not have the highest regular season winning percentage of any coach in Cowboys history. No, all Jimma has is two Lombardis. And he set the next guy up for a third. But who cares about any of that? Clearly, Jarrah should have passed over Jimma one more time in order to fast-track Big Mike into the ring of honor because obviously Jarrah thinks that Big Mike is more deserving. Let's just totally gloss over the fact that as soon as it crosses over into the postseason, Big Mike's teams crumble and gag and choke and die. And this latest disaster was so catastrophic that it really should have clued the old man in finally. See, that's where I come out on this. No, this is nothing new. It happens all the time. Except it was different this time. This time it was different. Or it should have been different. It was that embarrassing. It was that catastrophic. They were that unprepared. They were that outclassed. They were that undisciplined. This time it should have been different because it was different because it was the worst collapse that's ever happened. And yet despite all that, nothing changed for Jarrah. Jarrah still wants to talk about the regular season wins and sell us on this idea that we're very close. Even though we can all see that you're not close at all. 
You're actually very far, and you're moving in the wrong direction. But like I said at the very top, no surprise. No surprise. Jera, gonna Jera. And old people just don't like change. I'm not here to crack on old people. Mike Lombardi made that point yesterday on our podcast. He said it. He's like, look, people who are older don't want to change. And he applied that to Jera. I asked him what he thought Jera was going to do, and he kind of answered it like that. Like, hey, listen. And then, and then he did also make a lot of points that Jera made. In fact, it's almost eerie. Mike Lombardi on my podcast before the decision came down said almost the exact same things that Jera ultimately said. Like, you know what? They did win 12 games, and Dak did have his best year, and he did so when they changed play callers, and on and on and on and on, point by point. But my point is, Mike Lombardi made the point, old people generally do not like to change. I think people are misreading this completely. Everybody thinks Jerry was going to make a change because he's 83 years old, okay? Look, I'm I'm old, and, and so I know change is hard. Older people don't want to change. You think he really wants to go through a whole new coaching search, go through a whole new coaching staff? I don't think so. I think what he'd rather do is manage what he has. I think what he'd rather do is handle what he has. I think he'd rather make changes internally, but not wholesale changes. Now, I could be wrong, but when you're his age, change is hard. You tend to eat the same thing every day. You tend to have the same habits every day. You know what you want. You're older, and you do what you want to do. And I think that's kind of where I see this thing. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly. How do you like that? All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, you do have to use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. The crown is yours, and you do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The thing about that is... You all right? Yeah, that's the old guy. Now, Mike Lombardi did not say that in response to the announcement. Mike Lombardi came on my podcast, and he said that prior to it. He said that before Jerry did what Jerry did, and then Jerry did what Jerry did, and said almost exactly what Mike was saying. Old people don't want to change. And I'll tell you something else. They don't want to admit they're wrong. And we all know Jarrah likes things done a certain way. His way. He likes hogging all the attention, hogging all the credit. He's not comfortable being uncomfortable. Remember that whole thing about Jarrah? Jarrah is that ultimate risk taker? Man, that was so long ago. That was decades ago. He's not that guy anymore. 
He's the old guy that doesn't want to change. He's the old guy who's comfortable running the same act over and over and over again. There's a good reason why that act never ends in a Super Bowl victory. You know what it comes down to? That Packers game? It could not have gone any worse, and it still didn't matter. Clearly, even though Jarrah said prior to that, we're going game to game, that was a lie. Jarrah was not going to fire Big Mike no matter what happened in that game or in these playoffs because they couldn't have gone any worse. And here sits Big Mike with his job. Big Mike fits the way Jarrah wants to do things. And that's the most important thing in Big D. Don't forget it. Winning a Super Bowl would be nice. I'm not saying that he doesn't care. I'm not saying that he doesn't want one. But you know what's nicer than winning a ring? Jared doing it his way. That'll always be the top priority. Nice. Although I'll also say this. Jared's other top priority, the other thing he values more than actually winning a Super Bowl, attention, eyeballs, chatter, buzz, good or bad. He doesn't care. He just wants people, especially his own fans, fired up. Fired up over him, fired up over his team. And that's the thing. That's the thing. I don't think Cowboy fan is. Cowboy fan, you tell me I'm wrong. I want to hear from you today, now that this is official. Because Cowboy fan, to me, Cowboy fan apathy feels like it's at an all-time high right now. Cowboy fan feels like they've totally checked out. Like they're beaten down. Or totally defeated. Or both. Cowboy fan apathy is supposed to be Jarrett's worst nightmare. I'll give you an example. I'm not hearing from Cowboy fan. Not after that beatdown. Not when the speculation started that they might want a new head coach. No Cowboy fan was coming up in here and saying, hey, Rome, we got to have Belichick. We have to have Harbaugh. Hell, we got to have Mike Vrabel. We got to have anybody. I wasn't hearing any of that. By comparison, Steeler fan, on the other hand, cannot wait to run up in here. Steeler fan cannot wait to run up in here and tell me I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Steeler fan can't wait to run up in here and tell me what a disgrace and fraud and how smug Mike Tomlin is. Steeler fan's not down. Steeler fan's not apathetic. Steeler fan hasn't checked out. Steeler fan is raging harder than they ever have. They're ready to let the hands go with anybody who even suggests that Tomlin knows what he's doing. The Yinzers? Man, they might be pissed as hell, but I'll tell you what they're not. They're not apathetic. Jarrah, your fans don't even seem to care because your fans seem to finally be figuring out your BS. Like, they know it's coming. Cowboy fans sees that when push comes to shove, getting humiliated in the postseason is actually totally acceptable. It's okay, as long as Jarrah can keep doing things Jarrah's way. In other words, it has never been more obvious to Cowboy fan and everybody else that all that lip service and all that Jarrah-atric gum-flapping about a Super Bowl is just that, lip service and Jarrah-atric gum-flapping. He didn't want to start over. He didn't want to change the way he does things. He's old. Old people don't like change. Stuck your finger in the wrong hole. Michael Lombardi said as much. Mike said, I'm old. I know. Old people don't like change. So, quick question. 
Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? We are joined right now by Blake Cashman. Blake, it is great to have you back on the show. How are you doing, Blake? I'm doing well. Thank you for, for having me. Well, it's always good to have you. Thanks for making time for us. Listen, I know you're completely locked in and you're focused on that enormous opportunity in front of you, but we are talking about a team that went from three wins to 11 wins. You've already won a playoff game and you've got this great opportunity in front of you. Can you kind of give me a sense how you feeling personally and what's the overall mindset right now inside that locker room and around the facility? I mean, myself, and I think I can speak for the rest of the team as well, we we're all feel really good. Um, we're obviously excited about this opportunity and the position we're in. Um, you know, we just got the right guys in this building. And we're, we're playing with a lot of confidence right now. And, you know, even just through this week, as we uh, have been preparing for Baltimore, everyone's juiced up in practice and, um, you know, ready to uh, attack the game on, on Saturday. We're talking to Blake Cashman. I can appreciate that. I'm going to ask you about the Ravens in one second. One more thought about last week, though, because it was such an enormous effort by the defense. You sacked Joe Flacco four times. You cashed in a couple of pick sixes. How pleased were you with the aggressiveness and how opportunistic the defense played with last week? Oh, it was outstanding. You know, um, you know, guys were making plays all over the field. Um, you know, D-line was eating. The linebackers uh, made their, their plays in the secondary, uh, was trapping guys up. Uh, so just to be playing great at each level and to play awesome complimentary football in a, in a playoff game is huge. And, uh, you know, that's why we were able to, uh, uh, you know, kind of blow the Cleveland Browns out and, and get a, a great win at home because, you know, we took care of business. We played disciplined football and guys were um, exactly where they needed to be to make plays. Blake Cashman joining us. You know, when you and I spoke back in November, you raved about C.J. Stroud's leadership, and you talked about how even as a rookie, he was so strong in a way that it actually galvanized the team. Like, Mm -hmm. I get paid to speak for a living, and I've run out of ways to describe how elite this dude is. What is it that allows C.J. to play at such a high level on such a big stage and seemingly not be affected at all by the pressure or with the expectation of being him or that guy? Well, I've, I've always this year talked about his, his confidence and composure, uh, just how he manages and operates in the game, his, his pocket presence. You know, it, it, it's outstanding. It's amazing, you know, especially for a guy uh, in his first year in, in, in the NFL. So uh, that's been very impressive. But, you know, his, his trust in our, our, our team and the guys around him, um, he, he believes that, you know, the offensive line is going to protect him, take care of him. And, 
he has 100% trust that, you know, his guys, receivers are going to be where they need to be uh, on the routes because, you know, there's so much of it is based off of timing. And so, um, you know, when your protection and route running is, is in sync, uh, when you got, got a guy like CJ who is so, so talented and skilled, you know, it's no question that he's able to dice up defense. We are talking to Blake Cashman. Blake, it seems like when you've got the kind of bond that this team has, the kind of chemistry, and this is just me on the outside looking in, the kind of chemistry, the kind of buy-in, the kind of culture, you're going to do some really dramatic things. I talked to your GM, Nick Casario, earlier this year. He told me that he knew early on that D'Amico Ryans was the guy because of that confidence and because of his commitment to craft. You played last season in Houston after being traded by the Jets in the offseason. How quickly did the culture change once D'Amico and the staff came aboard? Uh, I mean, you felt, you know, the, the change of, of energy, the, the, you know, day one, the second uh, Coach Ryan's and his staff, you know, got up and spoke in front of the team. Uh, there was, you know, this extra um, sense of excitement, just not only in the building, but in the city of Houston. And, uh, you know, it, it, it has just continued to grow and carry through. Um, you know, our off-season programs and into preseason, into the season, now playoffs. So it's been great just to see how uh, the culture has gotten stronger, um, how this team has become a very close group. You know, the chemistry camaraderie just every week just seems to be getting better and better. Uh, and, you know, that's what, what, what you need. You need. You need great coaches and the right players to, uh, you know, make a, a really good um, playoff run. I mean, but I understand the sanctity of the locker room, but can you explain, like, to the layperson that we're talking about a locker room of 53 alphas? I mean, how rare a guy is it that on day one he can walk in and just own that room or command that room? Like, how did he do that? Exactly what did he say to get that kind of buy in and that attention that quickly? Uh, talking about Coach Ryan's? Yes. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he obviously, you know, brings in, um, like I talked about, I think before in your uh, show, that swarm uh, mentality, you know, special uh, work, eth- work ethic and a relentless mindset. And, um, you know, there was, you know, a, a guy like D'Amico, he's, he's, a, he's a leader of men. He, he brings a lot of energy and passion. You can see it on his face. You can see it in his eyes. And uh, instantly, you know, there's just that, that level of great, you know, respect and appreciation for, uh, a man like that, a coach like that. And so uh, instantly guys are just bought in and, and you know, ready to go e- each day to uh, continue building, um, you know, a great football team in Houston. I appreciate you sharing that. Before you go really quickly, I mentioned off the top that you lead the team in tackles. You're putting up some really big numbers. In fact, the biggest numbers of your career. What's been the biggest difference? Is it just opportunity or is it something else? Definitely opportunity, you know, and, you know, I got to give – credit to the coaches and my teammates you know I think this coaching staff um, you know in my lifetime of playing football has done an outstanding amazing job at uh, just coaching their, their scheme and and simplifying things for everybody uh, which allows guys to play very confident allows guys to play very fast and if you're playing confident you're playing fast you know you're going to make more plays um, and then this team like I said you know everyone's bought in and and trust that everyone will be in the right spot to make plays. But, you know, it, it's easy to ball out when you got a, a bunch of dogs surrounding you. So, um, you know, you know, there's 11 guys out there on defense, and, you know, I make up one of them, but the 10 other uh, constantly every play are uh, wrecking havoc and doing their job, which, you know, at times this year has allowed me to, uh, you know, be freed up to 
you own the opportunity, own the op, as we say. Own the op. I can't let you go without asking about the game really quickly. Lamar Jackson's on track to win his second MVP award. How do you prepare to face a guy that dynamic? I mean, a dude who's got that kind of arm talent, he can stretch the field, and he can beat you with his legs as well. What is the best way to slow him down? Yeah, I mean, you said it. You've got a lot of respect for a guy like that, one of the more talented players in this league, arguably our our, our league MVP. But, um, you know, it's, it's we've talked about it as a defense all week. You know, it's, it's got to be uh, a disciplined football game, a disciplined game plan, and uh, great tackling. You know, this team, especially Lamar, but they got weapons all over the field that, you know, they, they're, they, they're cutting back on the film. And you, look, you cut on the tape, they're, they're making guys miss. And, and that's when you, you have explosive plays. That's when you have uh, leaky yardage or extra yardage that, you know, doesn't need to happen if you can just uh, press, you know, the near hip, have great eyes, and, and make the play, make the tackle. So, um, you know, every guy is, he has their own assignment. Just stay disciplined, move with what your eyes tell you, and, uh, you know, when the opportunity is there and you square the ball carrier, you know, make the tackle. Well, man, what a great conversation. Blake Cashman joining us. Blake, I know it's a really big week. I know you're locked in. I know you're focused. I really appreciate you making time for us, man. Thank you so much for that, and good luck this weekend. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. He is going to be inducted into the... NASCAR Racing Hall of Fame tomorrow night in Charlotte. Of course, I'm talking about Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, my man, it is great to have you on. How you doing, Jimmy? Doing good, buddy. It's been a while. Thanks for having me on the show. It has been a while. It's great to have you back. It's always been good to have you on. So you are now a day away from auto racing immortality as part of NASCAR's Hall of Fame's 14th class. What have your emotions been like since you first learned of the honor last year? Just so grateful uh, to you know, go into the hall and be with the greats of our sport. I mean, I, I knew I had an epic run and, and anticipated going into the hall someday. Uh, so that wasn't necessarily a surprise. But as, you know, the honor is just around the corner and thinking about it, um, it's allowed me to reflect on my journey, um, what the sport is about, the journey of many that have built this sport. And uh, and I guess it probably comes with some older age. I'm getting close to 50 now. And you just look back and respect, um, you know, the industry, the sport, and, and the ones before you in a much different way. I was going to say, Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson joining us. I was going to say, you know, you've come on this show for so many years. I feel like, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say we walk side by side in the journey, but you talked about all these things all the way through it. Like you just said, you're approaching 50. You have some time to kind of reflect on this, expand upon this. As you look back on that journey, that amazing journey, what are the first things that do come to mind? Uh, the people that made it happen along the way. You know, it, it, lot, many think that racing is just kind of a singular sport and it's just about the driver, but, you know, the race teams, the size of the teams, and just how many races we have and all the other variables that are involved uh, really involve people. And the fact that I was able to, over 19 seasons, have the success that I did, that I did uh, the seven championships, the five in a row, I'm sure I played my part in it, but it, it was much bigger than me. And uh, I'm just thankful as I reflect back that people believed in me, people gave me a chance. And I had very humble beginnings growing up in, in the San Diego area. 
with my mom as a school bus driver and my dad as a heavy equipment operator. And I mean, I made it to the big time without any financial backing. So people along the way had to believe in me and give me that, you know, give me that shot as well. Jimmy Johnson joining us, going to the Hall of Fame. You're right. It's a team sport, in effect, and you need those people around you. I think from that standpoint, it's really fitting that you're going to go into the Hall of Fame alongside your crew chief, Chuck Knauss, also part of the class. The two of you did combine for the seven cup championships, the NASCAR record five in a row. What do you remember about the early days of that relationship and partnership, and how would you describe the impact he's had on your career? Yeah, there's there's no one that has extracted more out of me and, and pushed me uh, like Chad has. And uh, we didn't know what our relationship was going to bring, uh, but there were a few things that were really special about the, the opportunity. And I'd say that the biggest one was the fact that the 48 car did not exist. So as Chad and I came on board at Hendrick Motorsports, we, were, we had a clean canvas. We were creating the team. We built the team. And that original group, and certainly Chad and I's relationship, was forged on such a deeper level as a result. And, you know, we both had uh, something to prove and a chip on our shoulder in a sense and just dug in, became great friends, had a great deal of respect for one another and uh, put lightning in a bottle. You know, Jimmy, you announced your racing schedule for the coming season and it's going to include the Daytona 500 on February 18th. But you're going to plan on running in nine Cup Series races as well. I'm curious, like you talk about having something to prove. Do you still have something to prove or are you just looking to have some fun? Because that is your most you know, that's your full schedule since your last full-time season. So what led you to expand your schedule this year? You know, it's impossible to completely push away the, the something to prove thing, um, but it's the smallest it's ever been in my, in my mind my entire life. Um, yes, I want to be competitive. Yes, I want to be out there and do the best that I can. Um, but I, I, I want to have fun, you know, and I love what I do. You know, it's probably a bad analogy, but I think about a musician and, and say, a guitarist, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, you've been playing your guitar since you were a kid, and at 45, you're told you got to put it away and you can never touch it again. That's not going to happen. So I'm, I, I have this opportunity to drive, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. And it also does serve the purpose of um, helping our partners gain some more exposure. I'm able to work with our young drivers at Legacy MC. Um, so there's some aspects there on competition and business that also work. Jimmy Johnson joining us. I'm going to go back to that point in a minute. But Hall of Fame weekend, Jimmy stirs up memories of some of the sport's greatest moments, of course, some of the greatest rivalries in that sport. You know, as an example, you've got Donnie Allison also being inducted tomorrow, had that legendary fight with Cale Yarborough in 1979, right? At the Daytona 500. Jeff Gordon going at it with Dale Earnhardt for all those years. If you had to single out one driver, who would you say was your biggest rival on the track? I would say Jeff Gordon in, in the most respectful way, and it may not have appeared that way on, on television week in and week out, but you know, inside of our walls at Hendrick Motorsports and the mark that he set before I arrived, um, he was my hero, and he was the most winningest driver and broke all the records. And um, as I was able to learn from him, and then I was able to compete against him and, and win a little bit, um, you know, his accountability and the little internal rivalry I created in my own head um, was probably the, the best one. Jimmy Johnson joining us. So as you look around the sport right now, who are some of the young drivers that stand out to you that have a chance to maybe be the future faces of that sport who might even join you one day in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's such a different landscape today with the playoff format and one race, winner take all. You know, the, the consistent nature that 
um, the sport was founded on has kind of been been changed in some respects. But you know, when you look at the big teams um, and the driver lineups that a lot of the big organizations have, um, you have your Kyle Larsons and Christopher Bells that I think kind of jump out first and foremost. But there are there's a lot of young talent in the pipeline, and I feel like we have two um, young and aspiring drivers with Eric Jones and um, John Hunter Nemechek in our legacy MC cars. And you know, I, I certainly hope it's those guys. But uh, it's it's interesting, and you know, it's just an ever-evolving industry that uh, is more unpredictable than ever now. Jimmy, what about the industry? As I mentioned, you and I have talked for so many years. You were a part of that explosion of national interest in NASCAR in the early 2000s, and that allowed that sport to grow beyond a largely regional base. How would you evaluate the overall state of NASCAR today? I think NASCAR is in a really good place. Um, They were able to franchise the sport, essentially, a few years ago, and the, uh, the charter system came about, and we're seeing the um, enterprise value essentially grow per charter and, and grow at a, a, an impressive multiple. Uh, we just had a new media rights deal uh, announced that is the richest one yet in the history of the sport. Um, I, think, I think all the partners involved that make NASCAR happen from TV, NASCAR itself, their track partners, marketing, uh, the partners on the race teams, everyone has really um, lifted the sport up, and it's in a very strong position right now. So what about the media deal? The Cup Series recently announced a new streaming TV deal. How critical is a deal like that, especially as it relates to reaching and recruiting younger fans? Yeah, I I don't envy NASCAR and or the TV broadcast folks trying to figure out the right ratio of streaming versus live television. But it's an ever-changing world, and we know technology is is changing it. We know that younger people um, are consuming in a different way, and I commend our sport uh, to being flexible and open-minded about uh, you know, the current demands, and we'll just adjust as we need be. Jimmy, one more thing. I've talked to a lot of athletes in a lot of different sports, and even though they've been on the biggest stages with the highest stakes, a lot of them say that there's nothing more nerve-wracking than that Hall of Fame speech because they got to <laughs> nail it, and they want to make sure they get to everybody that they have to thank and acknowledge in a limited amount of time. How have you approached prepping your remarks for tomorrow night? Man, I thought I had it all dialed in, and probably 20 minutes before this call, I went back through it again, and I'm, I'm cutting and pasting and moving and changing stuff now, and it's tomorrow, so the stress is real. I feel you. He is a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champ. He is a two-time Daytona 500 champ. He is a Hall of Famer. He is Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, congrats. It's been an amazing run, and I know you're not done yet. It's always great to have you on the show. You know I appreciate the friendship. I appreciate it, buddy. We need to get you back to a race. Yeah, man. The last one went so well. Remember when I broke the pace car? I'll never forget. We we need to redo on that. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> Appreciate you, Jimmy. Thanks so much. He knows. He knows I did not. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Need a little help? O'Reilly Auto Parts can help. Need advice? We've got advice. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it exceptional customer service just one part that makes o'reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto parts. it's time to beef you hear it you don't see it but you hear it so imagine a giant plastic tower of beef to my left Let's do this. 1-800-636-8686. Or hit me up on the X at Jim Rome. Beef about anything you want. Just keep it tight. Get in, get out. State your beef. Keep moving. This is fun. Let's do it. 
First stop, let's go with the phones first. I'm going to go right down the line. Texas, Terry, you're going to set the tone. Terry, good to have you. What's your beef? I got beef with people who operate shopping carts without looking where they're going. These are the same idiots that can't successfully maneuver through a four-way stop, an intersection with lights out, and roundabouts. Do us all a favor and learn to use your turn signal and don't forget your helmet when you come out the house. Go Bills, war female fatties with a pedicure. I'm out. Terry! War female fatties with a pedicure. You're doing pretty well until then. Terry! 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to San Francisco. Fernando. What's going on, Fernando? What's your beef? What's up, Jimmy Cricket? My beef with those techie bags calling Frisco, San Fran, and telling me I'm wrong. I'm from San Francisco. I love when you call it Frisco. So tell the techies go back to the Midwest. I'm out. Appreciate that, bro. I got, I got news for you. If I didn't know, not think, if I didn't know that you get so butthurt, I wouldn't do it. I admit it. For some reason, calling people who live in San Francisco Frisco is a reason to go. Frisco fan, you have smashed us in L.A. for every reason under the sun, and I don't give a damn. But you call them Frisco, they want to let the hands fly. It's like it's a four-letter bomb, except it's like five letters. I've never understood it. That's like I think maybe the first guy ever in Frisco to say, I don't care. I'm not offended. What's the big deal? Right. If you all said that and you all felt that, I wouldn't call you Frisco, Frisco. Frisco fan. What are you so bent about anyway, yo? You do live in Frisco. Hey, Fr- hey, Mike. Hey, Frisco fan. You know you live in, you live in the city, the city by the bay. You live you live in something now, Frisco fan. By a body of water, hey, I'll give Frisco you that. Fan. Anyway, I digress. Good job, dude. Uh oh. Hey, Tommy, do you really want me to go and order these phone calls? Because you know who's coming up next, don't you? Now, this is where this guy does his best work. But his best work is still worse than most people's worst work. And even his beefs have fallen off of late. But if I'm grading on a curve, this is where this guy does his best work. Maybe he can rebound and start a new streak. Let's go to Sacktown. Ryan in Sacktown. Ryan, what is your beef? Hey, Jimmy. Good morning. Hey, uh, my beef is with these people that are taking over our local coffee shops and watering holes and using them as their own personal offices. Jim, I went into my Starbucks this morning. Instead of hitting the drive through I had to trip over extension cords. I was interrupting business meetings just to get a cup of joe. It's getting a bit pathetic. Don't bring your printers in, guys. Do better. Thank you. I'm out. I mean, for you, Ryan, you're back. It's not in any way original. But for you, that's good. It's true. I mean, it's one thing to show up to snake their Wi-Fi. It's another thing because you want to change the scenery, maybe some energy. It's another thing to just show up with a laptop. But when people start showing up in Starbucks with monitors and printers and double monitors and mice 
and mice pads, taken off their shoes. They've got a whole base of operations. They're in their slippers, not even slides, but slippers and robes. And then they're rolling phone calls and then meetings. It's like, dude, it's expensive, but even that $5 cup of Joe doesn't mean you're paying rent there and it's office space. I, I don't want to ever, want, ever want to say that I agree with Ryan, but part of me agrees with Ryan. Oh, 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 oh Ryan, you're almost back. Let's go. Hit me up. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Driftwood. Ben, great to have you, Ben. What's your beef? Rome. James Harden has not only broken multiple bathroom scales, destroyed numerous teams' chemistry, and defiled the sanctity of NBA Max contracts, he's also ruined pickup basketball. These young cats just take two quick dribbles, then take two quick steps backward with the Harden travel every time, and then jack up a jumper. I say, yo, dog, I've been playing all over the country. That's a travel. I said, I'm a man. I'm 40. I like that, dude. Good job. Really well played. Really well played. Really well played. There's so much to like about that call. One, he had a great take. He had a great take. And then he went with some jungle folklore. I'm a man. I'm 40. But in stating his age, he knew that he would get run. And then he ran himself with a manual buzzer. That was... That... I think was really underrated. I don't think a lot of you picked up on how good that was. Great beef, dude. Nice job. All right, so now we're back on path. Keep it coming. Let's go to Pomona. Anthony, great to have you. What's your beef? Hey, Romy. I actually got a double beef real quick because I'm a Steelers fan. First off, hey, Steelers fan, shut the hell up calling for Tomlin to be fired. That's as bad of a take as a Cowboys fan. Still thinking that a man named Dakota is going to win them a championship. Second of all, hey, Ryan, I mean, chuckle from Sucktown. Why don't you take a few weeks off? I think we can do without some of your weak-ass takes or recycle takes that you just punished us with. Or if she ain't 180, she ain't a lady. Wow. Anthony, bro, slow down a little bit because I don't want to miss anything. Good stuff. 1-800-636. 8686, let's go to the LBC. Dodger Jano is a Long Beach native, proud as hell. She went to Pauly, straight out the LBC. Let's go there right now. Mike, and shout out Jano. She's Jackrabbit. Let's go to Mike in Long Beach. Mike, what's your beef? Hey, Jimmy, thanks again. Second time, long time, bud. Props to uh, Jano. Uh, it's great to hear she's from the LBC. Hey, man, my beef is with the guys who produce the plastic water bottles, man. Can you put just a little bit of air in the top so that when I'm driving and I open that thing up, I don't look like I soiled myself when I get to the biggest meeting of my life? Thanks a lot, Jimmy. Thanks. Good job, dude. All right, so we're doing well today. I like that. I've done the same thing. Dodger Jano is from the LBC. Dodger Jano went to Poly. Dodger Jano ran track. Dodger Jano played volleyball. She loves it. She is a fierce jackrabbit. Let's go to Milwaukee. Douglas in Milwaukee. Great to have you. What's your beef? Jim, thanks for the vine. Hey, my beef is with my friends who live in these hot-ass states and are sending me pictures of their green grass, 
the pretty flowers in her damn palm trees while I'm sitting here with about 18 to 20 inches of snow roam and the plows can't figure out how to frick to get these roads clear. I'm out. Bro, I appreciate you. Nice job, Douglas. You know, incredibly enough, I missed that somehow. I was in Wisco. I was in Wisco for Christmas. Somehow, someway, I missed that. We didn't get that. We didn't get that white Christmas. We got that brown Christmas. I have to say, so I'm with you. However, I respect your friends jerking with you and messing with you and sending pics of the bright blue skies and all the greenery and the sun being out. I think that's funny, too. I like it. I like them both. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Avery, North Carolina. Avery, what's your beef? Jim, my beep is with you, man. It's with you. Do people call you names that you're not? No, man. No. It's not Jarrah. It's Mr. Jones to you. You don't have any business calling him Jarrah. It's Mr. Jones. He's a Super Bowl champion. Get it right. I mean, respectfully, Avery, I do have it right. He's Jarrah. The hell do I got to call him Mr. Jones for? Do I have to call the Dan Mr. Snyder too? Hey, what you, Avery, I love this. Hey, hey, Rome, do people call you by things other than your name? Yes. Every segment of every show? Other than, hey, hey, Avery, hey, Rome, get it right. Do people call you something other than your own stated name? I don't know, Avery, like Every segment of every show for the past 30 years, Avery. Get it right, Avery. I don't need to Mr. Jones him. I love his take, too. He won a Super Bowl. You address him as Mr. Jones. Yeah, in what century did he win that Super Bowl, Aves? Hey, Avery, I don't work for Jarrah. He's not scratching my check. He's not my boss. He may own the Cowboys, but he doesn't own the jungle. He doesn't own me. Come on, man. Get the hell out of here with that. No wonder Jarrah treats y'all like that. Because you buy his nonsense. Mr. Jones, come on, dude. Stop with that. Do I have to Mr. Spanos, Mr. Spanos too? Come on! Do I have to Mr. Tepper tantrum, Mr. Tepper? Do I have to Mr. Rooney because he's bringing back Mike Tomlin? Uh, All right, Avery, you hooked me. You got me, Avery. Let's keep moving. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Youngstown, Eric. Good to have you, Eric. What's your beef? Yeah, to all the Swifties who think that she invented KC football, the only thing she invented is how to ruin the best tight end in the NFL. (laughs) My man. (laughs) Have fun with them. To all the Swifties who think they invented KC football, all she did was invent a way to ruin the best tight end in the NFL. I love Travis Kelsey. And I've said I've been on record. Before he showed slippage, I said, I think this dude's the best tight end in the history of the league. He's not what he was. He's not. He's not what he was. I'll give you that. 
Now, is the reason he's not what he was her? I don't think so. But I don't really know. Something's up. I can tell you that. He's not what he was. Something is up. I don't know what it is. Good job, though, dude. I'm loving the phone calls. I really am. Let's go to the D. Mike in Detroit. Great to have you. Mike, what's your beef? Hey, Romy. Hey, first time, long time. I just got a beef with the hurry-up golfer guy who can't wait till you clear the fairway and show us how good he is. But anyways, I wanted to say war, Dan Campbell bringing the grit, and let's keep the party going in Detroit. I appreciate that, dude. I don't play. I've never played. But even I know you don't do that. Don't hit into the group in front of you. Hurry up, man. Hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up. That's the worst thing ever, right? When you show up and you've got that group behind you and you know it's going to be like that all day long. All damn day. All damn day. But then again, to be fair, if you've got that group in front of you that's barely moving, it's the same thing. All damn day. All damn day. That's why they're hitting into you. Sometimes. Let's go to Tucson, Darius. Good to have you, Darius. What's your beef? Hey, Rome. My beef is with you and the big head for having Jed Fish on your show and you guys propping him up so much, making a big deal how he's the greatest coach. And then Washington comes calling and he's gone on Sunday. What the heck, Rome? I hear you, dude. I really do. And if it'll make you feel better to blame the big head and I that you lost your coach, I'm here for that. I am. But understand this, Darius. The Big Head and I are far from the only two people who know that guy's a damn good coach. Clearly, Washington knew as well. And I I have it on pretty good authority that Washington already knew he was a damn good coach before the Big Head and I were hyping him up. And when I had Jed on this show, I did ask him point blank, Jed, you've got some nervous Arizona fans. Are you, I know you're in the process of getting that deal done. Are you close? And he said something to the effect of, yes, yes, we are. Yes, we are. I'm not looking to go anywhere. So that's not some reverse karma. And it's not that we hyped him so much that other people found out. Trust me. Anybody who knows anything about that game knows that Jed Fish is a hell of a coach. Now, I will say, Big Head likes five things, and five things only. Jed Fish is one of them. He loves him. He loves him almost as much as he loves his adopted lobster family. The Head loves himself some Jed Fish. But if Arizona was incapable of coming up with the money, don't blame us. But if it'll make you feel better, I'm here for it. Let's keep moving. This is fun. I hope this never ends. Armando, Santa Ana, not far from where we are. Armando, what is your beef? What's up, Jimmy? Uh, First time, long time. My beef is with upper management who trains you at work to be the next best promotion, and instead they give a promotion to the office rat. Now, I'm 43 years old, mind you, and my my brother. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. My brother. Not a very good call. How do you do that? You have to make the argument that you are most deserving of the promotion 
without stating your age. Because if you state your age, you're going to get run. I could tell you had a real beef. And you were passionate. My beef is with upper management. They trained me to put me in a position where I could get that promotion. And then when it came time to promote, they gave it to the office rat. I'm 43. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Dude, I so wanted to hear you light up management and the rat. They rewarded the rat. Bro, I bet you did all the right things. Other than tell me your age. I bet you did all the right things, did all the right work, and some conniving, punk-ass, backstabbing, rat, got your gig. I wanted to hear how that felt. I told you I'm here for it. That is such legit beef, dude. Because you know what? Every bleeping office has one. All right, Rome, which is in your office? I don't have one. You know why? I cleared them all out. But every office has one. Dude, that was such a legit beef. See, again, I hate it when the rules come into play. My man, no disrespect intended. That was legitimate beef. Dude, Armando, my man, we were on your side. Armando, we were on your side. I hate that rat. We were all rooting for you, Armando. I hate that rat. I don't even know who the rat is. I hate that rat. Dude, I hope that rat gets what's coming to that rat. I really do. Whoever that rat is. I hate that rat, dude. I know you put in the time. Armando? Armando, I don't even know who you are. And I know you put in the time. I could tell. Armando, they did you wrong, bro. Not us. You you got what you deserve from us. We have a rule. But at work, they did you wrong. Let's go to KC. JJ in KC. It's funny how that worked out. JJ! Yavi. JJ! JJ! This guy might be. JJ, KC, what's your beef, dude? Romy, my homie. You know, my beef for that earlier caller, dude. Travis Kelsey does not have an issue with Taylor Swift. It worked out with Bacon45 having a wife that made tons of money. Okay, it's father time catching him. It's father time that's undefeated. Father time can catch anyone in anything, unlike our wide receivers. I'm out. <laughs> well done. JJ! JJ, are you a Swifty or are you a realist? JJ! He said, it's not her, man. It's Father Time that got him. It's not her and our receivers that can't catch anything. Father Time catches up with everything and everybody, and our receivers can't catch anything. KC and Buffalo is so awesome. Man, I love that matchup. I, I don't know what it is with Travis, but it's something. Something's up. He's not what he was. But then again, you can't keep it up forever. Let's go to Palm Springs, Brian. Good to have you, Brian. What's your beef? Hi, Jim. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I'm a 30-year listener and remember you from the Mighty 690 with Hacksaw Hamilton. My beef is with people that park in the handicapped spot that aren't handicapped and don't have a placard. I have a foot like Tom Dempsey, and it's very hard for me to walk and I really love your show, and I, I miss 91X. I love you, Jim. Thank you. My man, Brian. I love you too, brother. He said, I brother. miss 91X. That's a great take. 91X is an amazing radio station. I miss it too. He said, I've got a foot like Tom Dempsey. 
And I got a beef with people who park in handicapped spots that don't even have the placard, that aren't handicapped. It is the biggest douchebag move ever. I'll even say the phrase. It's a D-bag move. You don't think that guy right there would give anything to have a foot like your foot? You don't think that guy would give anything to be able to walk across the parking lot without pain? Yet there's nothing wrong with you. But you're that entitled to bag that you're going to park in front. I would say who does that, but I know who does that. Straight up D-bags. You have to be some kind of D-bag and A-hole, honestly. I'm with you, brother. I got you. Let's go to Oregon. Matt in Oregon. What's going on, Matt? What's your beef? Well, hello, Mr. Rome. My beef is with Avery disrespecting Mr. Rome. Also, giving a bad name to Avery's because I got a nephew, Avery, and he, uh, you know, that guy that called is not every Avery. He's like the other Avery. So put some respect on Mr. Rome's name. Best show ever. I'm out. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you. Dude, I don't even feel disrespected. <laughs> Believe me. There are so many things that are said on the daily about me that are so much worse. I couldn't care less. I just thought that the take was really lame. Like, you you, Mr. Jones him. He won a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, like in the 17th century, Avery, they haven't won bleep in decades. And again, why do I have to Mr. Jones him? Dude, I'm almost as old as him. Why would I Mr. Jones him? I'm I'm not going to say it. What, and get run on my own show? I'm a man. I'm f- I'm a man. And why would I Mr. Jones him? I'm not in any way being disrespectful. You think calling him Jera is disrespectful? Can you imagine the things that people send me that I could call him? And you think Jera is disrespectful? What, Jimma isn't being disrespected? I'll tell you who's being disrespected. The write-in beefs. They're not being disrespected. They're just being ignored because the calls are so good today. Let's go this time to Stu in Wisconsin. What's going on, Stu? What's your beef? Hey, Jim. Dude, that last caller wasn't Avery. It was Stephen Jones. Anyway, my beef is with NFL camera crews cutting away to Jarrah all the time during games. It's disgusting, Jim. Between Jarrah getting nauseous watching the game and his old geezer incontinence, I'm pretty sure he left 20% of himself in the owner's suite. Again, another one that I didn't want to end. <laughs> Between his owner incontinence. Oh, that was good. Rack him. We usually don't rack beefs. Rack that was him. fun. 20% that wasn't Avery. That was Stephen Jones. <laughs> hey, you know what, bro? I like that energy. I liked that energy. That pumped me up. I don't remember the last time I had so much fun on a beef segment. You callers are absolutely murdering it today. This is a blast. I don't want this to ever end. Keep coming. Let's go to Idaho. And, and again, I want to make the point. The beauty of the Old Trapper Beef segment is we get phone calls from all fitty. They're from everywhere. Everybody in America has beef. 
and Canada. Let's go to Joe in Idaho. Joe, what's your beef? Yeah, um, hey, Jim. Um, my beef is with all the Idahoans that are keeping the lines at In-N-Out Burger so long. We finally got our In-N-Out Burger, and the lines are about an hour long. And then you hear them saying, oh, I don't know how what it's all about. I don't think it's a good burger. Now, I know you said that you loved it, and you called it the best fast food burger in the world, and it is. But if you don't like it, don't clog up my line and make it forever for me to get my In-N-Out burger on. You know, my man, the only, thing, the only thing longer than that line was your phone call. But I appreciate you. The line moves fairly quickly. I know because I used to work in that little box. I know what it's like, quote, to get hit. We know. We always knew when the rush was coming. It moves. But you're right. I think there's a lot of advanced hype. And when In-N-Out leaves the state of Cali, inevitably, and it goes to a state for the first time, and there's news coverage, and there's people crying, and people camped out, there's hype. It's hype. Rarely does anything live up to the hype. I stand by it. And it's not because I work there. Because, by the way, I didn't really enjoy the job. Just the money and the softball team. But it, it, to me, it is my favorite fast food burger. If I had another one that I like better, I would tell you. I don't have this like lifelong loyalty to In-N-Out Burger for the nine months that I worked there when I was 16 in order to get some crappy car. I, I believe that it's the best. But his whole point is, dude, don't wait in line and then go, eh, it's not all that. They have to find it. They have to try to find out, right? Anyway, anyway, it is all that. Napa. I can work Dodger Jano into another angle. Dodger Jano and I got married in Napa. We had a destination wedding. We got married in the middle of summer. It was 8,000 degrees. We were married in 1997, and people are still complaining about how hot it was that day. I don't know. I don't remember. I had two sapphires straight up prior to walking down the aisle. Felt pretty good to me. Let's go to Napa. Love Napa. Doug in Napa. Doug, what's your beef? Romy, hey, what's going on? Or, excuse me, Mr. Rome. Sorry about that. Hey, my beef is with Tony Romo. This guy, it's so painful listening to him call games now. He's ruining Jim Nance. He does not stop talking, and he's so full of himself. It's it's nuts. And and one more thing, you you work the in and out. Listen, man, don't you better put some respect on that XR4TI. That wasn't a crappy car. That thing got you around, right? Thanks, Romy. I'm out. My brother. Okay. Thing is, I did not work it in and out to get the Mercor, and it did get me around for two years. However, it was a brand new car. A brand new car should have got me around for five years, like the car that I got after that car. The crappy car that I bought was a 1967, my first car, a 1967 Mustang, three on the floor, three-speed. That was the crappy car, and that did not get me around. I think it was breaking down all the time. And as I've told you before, the XR4TI, the Mercor, the Ford engineered, German engineered Ford for 15,000 miles was a freaking dream. 
Man, it was a dream. I couldn't wait to wake up in the morning and get behind the wheel of that car. The second that thing went 15001 and the warranty ran out, all hell broke loose. You want to talk about planned obsolescence? It's like they knew. They knew the second the warranty ended, one mile into it. Biggest nightmare of my life. Never forget, when I took that car to auction, it, actually, I dropped it off and let them take it to auction. It exploded on the way to auction. Thank God I was not the one driving. The car, the engine exploded. I drove it from Santa Barbara in the slow lane, mostly in neutral, all the way down to Orange County, Placentia, I think. Dropped it off, washed my hands of it. Two or three days later, they took it to auction, and that bitch exploded. So no, no, it didn't. It wasn't good for getting me point A to point B, just for the first 15,000 miles. Let's walk off on this guy. I can't believe we did. Tommy, was that not the fastest half hour in the history of radio? Wire-to-wire calls. Sorry about you writing beefs. I'll try and get you on the other end. Parody Larry to close a truly epic segment. Lawrence, what is your beef? Hey, Jim. What's up, buddy? Uh, My beef is with uh, the big head. You know, I... Really enjoy his uh, betting segment, but what I really look forward to is his incredible amount of grammatical gaffes, and lately he hasn't been doing any. So here's a haiku for him. The English language is a 1,000-word parlay he will never win. War James Kelly bending down to tee it up and getting some Ian Poulter right in the face. I'm not walking off on that. We cannot walk off on that. Oh, we walk off on that, though. All right, let's get out of here. Nice job, clones. Really, really good job. Go ahead. Start hitting me up on the X. You know what, Larry? That was some of your worst work ever, and that's saying a hell of a lot. Honestly, it is. Good night now!